Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, 24 Carat Conversations. Hey, peeps. Welcome back. So um, we were chuckling just before we started <laughs> this conversation because we have a wonderful guest on today, Courtney Meisner. Did I say that right, Courtney Meisner? You did. I did. Yeah. Yay. Okay. <laughs> we met her online. I actually took a boundaries class from her, which just, I was so inspired by it. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to have this woman on the podcast. I ain't never heard of her before. <laughs> I I'm like, we're having her on the podcast. I was like, who is this chick? Come on, we need some boundaries. <laughs> well, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about her before um, we let her kind of share her story. But she is a writer, a speaker, and an emotional health rebel. Mm. She advocates for emotional wellness and truth-telling and, ta- and tackles unhealthy emotional behaviors that give us a seat on the crazy train. Oh, and there's a whole lot of crazy here. So, um, she, she, uh, wants you to be healthy and whole and because healthy, whole, bold, ready, awake, and alive makes ripples in stagnant ponds, wake up sleepy dreams, give volumes to silent vocal cords, raises leaders and carries information that will change families, lives, and themselves. There's no more time to waste on waiting for someone else to make you happy. Zero, she says. Emotional, physical, spiritual health is yours, sister. Um, So she can help you get your footing. Other things that you might find interesting about her is she is a rock star pastor's wife and a head negotiator and the biggest fan of their three very spunky boys. She thought her husband was going to be the next Justin Timberlake or at least famous. (laughs) Didn't we all? Okay, come on. (laughs) And instead of becoming a trophy wife, she became a pastor's wife which I'm sure God same thing yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the same thing <laughs> only a little, only less pay <laughs> between football games hip-hop dance recitals which she does a ton of TikToks. so we will give you her Instagram at the end so you can check her out she enjoys rapping car karaoke dancing in the grocery store aisles and generally doing everything in her power to embarrass her kids she um, works for nonprofits, startups companies both small and large to provide tools that promote emotional health respectful communication awareness around depression and empathy love that self-affirmation self-care and how to establish healthy boundaries which is what we're talking Woo-hoo! about today <laughs> and we yeah. welcome 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 I know that was a lot, but I felt like I had to read it because you are a very interesting person. <laughs> she is. <laughs> I was listening to that and I was like, I need to get some boundaries on that bio. Yeah. <laughs> you almost made Rhonda spit out her water right now. That was hysterical. <laughs> oh my God. You're like, Courtney, we just. That was like a this is your life moment. Jeez. <laughs> was I reading your eulogy? <laughs> Thank you. And and we're done now. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you for coming to our show. (laughs) 
Oh, well, we're so excited that you're on here today because uh, we just want to go through a little bit of background before we get into boundaries. So can you tell us a little bit about you and your personal story? Uh, yeah, in <laughs> relation to boundaries, right? That's what we want to hear. Yeah, I mean, that's you can share. Story we're after. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, you can share whatever you want right now. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, oh man, so those, those, uh, three spunky boys that we were talking about in the bio, um, I had the last two of them. I have Irish twins, so I had them back to back. Um, and when I got pregnant so quickly after having my second son, I experienced or slipped into, I guess I could say, mm-hmm. a really nasty postpartum depression. Um, and I know it was because, you know, I had the pregnancy hormones leaving and then the surge of new hormones to mm-hmm. carry my third. Yeah. Um, and it just really created pretty much the perfect storm for me. At the time, we were living in Seattle, Washington. We had just moved across the country which is, was a huge transition with a newborn, and then I was newly pregnant again mm-hmm. in a, a big city without communities, just trying to, you know, um, build relationships in a church that we had just been asked to join staff. And so um, I'm married to a pastor. That that part of the, the bio, yeah, I did think he was going to be famous, <laughs> and he did not. I mean, darn it. he is just a... <laughs> darn it! <laughs> but, um... So yeah, we were traveling, uh, you know, doing the doing the church pastor thing, and uh, I I got really sick. I got super mm. sick, and one of the reasons why my postpartum depression was so tough was because I was number one in denial about what was going on. I was raised by um, extremely strong women, and I had a belief system that I could just kick it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I was stronger. And then I also, you know, as a Christian believed that, you know, this depression was uh, either self selfishness, like too much um, focus on self. And then mm. also, you know, just something that Jesus was just going to take away from me in the morning mm. and that I would just wake up healed. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't work that way. The truth was, is that I needed therapy. I needed help. I needed community and I needed medicine because Mm -hmm. my hormones and my, uh, you know, brain chemistry and so on and so forth was really off because of the pregnancies. And so, um, I am condensing this story down because I do want to get to boundaries, but, uh, what happened in that time when I was so sick, um, I developed a drinking problem and Mm -hmm. it was primarily because it was just the way that I could numb out um all of the big feelings that I had which were mostly hopelessness and sadness and so uh our marriage fell apart Mm -hmm. and in a sort of a last attempt at saving our marriage um my husband asked us to go to therapy and so we we started therapy about eight years ago. Now, one important part about this is that all of this was happening behind closed doors, but we were lying to everyone else, our relationships and, and people, um, who knew us and loved us because, you know, it was just, it just felt like this dirty secret that, Mm. um, our marriage was falling apart, that I didn't Mm. like my kids, that I didn't want to be a mom, that, um, you know, by seven or eight o'clock at night, I was drunk 
And then, you know, we would roll into church and smile and, and do what we needed to do to play the role. And then we would just go back to our life. Mm-hmm. And so in therapy, it was the first opportunity that I would say that I had the chance to finally tell the truth. And I told it, I just started talking and it all just kind of fell out of me. Um, and then to be fair, my husband also had the opportunity to tell the truth too, because, yeah. you know, he was living in the emotional wake also. And so mm-hmm. um, it was just really good for us to be able to just start being honest. And one of the things that came out of that whole experience was a light bulb moment of my complete and utter, um, I don't even want to say misunderstanding, not understanding of the word boundaries because yeah. I did not have any. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the, one of the tools that has really, uh, helped me as I came out of that journey, I still battle with seasonal depression, but as I think of that postpartum, mm-hmm. um, just those really hard days was the implementing of boundaries. And so, um, as I began to learn about them, man, I was like, gosh, these things could save people's lives. Honestly, if they, if they knew that they had the power to, you know, choose what they do with their time or, or choose uh, how they show up in relationships. And, And I can talk deeper into that, but, um, and so then I started, teaching them and so um Mm. now yeah now i i feel like that i just walk around and and check people on their boundaries all the time (laughs) (laughs) she's the boundary checker (laughs) i know i just ran i ran through that story so fast but i do want to be conscious of our time yeah so i'll let you ask questions that's the best way to do this but yeah that that's that's how the boundary journey began, I would say. So I think it's interesting that you fell into addiction and from that you realized that boundaries were an issue. Mm-hmm. I think so often, so okay. I have my degree in addiction studies. And so um, I always find it really interesting with addiction, how closely the boundary issue is mm-hmm. a problem, mm-hmm. um, whether that, whatever that may be with friendships, really family relationships, whatever it may be. But um do you think, th- I mean, do, was that like the first time you really noticed, oh, I'm not setting, like what, what would be a boundary that you didn't set that you noticed would, would cause you to, to use, to, to be, to drink? To drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I often tell people that I am a recovering approval addict and what that means that yep. for the majority of my life, my young, my young life, um, I was addicted actually to the love of other people and I did what I could Mm. to achieve it. If that was either through performing, doing well, making sure, um, you know, words of affirmation are my love language. So I sought after compliments. I sought after, um, attention, uh, just to know that I was loved. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, Okay, good. Because there was a direct um, parallel mm-hmm. with uh, the the addiction then to alcohol. Because mm-hmm. I was already showing addictive behavior to other things. Um, I was deeply codependent on my husband's love. So what that meant was if he was mad at me, then I just couldn't recover from the day because I didn't feel like I was loved unless he loved me. I didn't feel like I had value unless he 
saw me. I didn't feel like I had any words unless he said I had words. Mm -hmm. If we had had a fight, um, I couldn't like recover and get out of my head about it. Mm -hmm. So I just spent the whole day spinning out on the fight. And then, you know, when I saw him again, uh, thought about it again because I was trying to satisfy or realign that feeling of being loved, right? Mm -hmm. And so when those things were met, to be able to deal with not feeling known, seen, loved, and then the chaos of having the kids uh, around, um, that's why I reached for alcohol. So I yeah. used it to, uh, I used alcohol to just numb some of those feelings of disconnect mm -hmm. because I just, because I felt so empty. The truth is, is that I felt so empty yeah. because I was constantly seeking the affection and love um, of every external force outside of me. And so, um, that, that would be where I started to notice that I had, a, you know, a problem with, uh, just being addicted to things because it was way before the alcohol, the, right. the yeah. tendency was all, already there. Mm. Um, the alcohol was just, um, well, that was a, a good numbing tech mechanism to, yeah, yeah for sure. And that's, uh, and that's yeah. really oh, common God, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually super common. So I think that when people think about addicts and, and actually Rhonda, you probably know this, um, you think about drugs or you think about alcohol, but th that is, those are just mm -hmm. two of any number of things you mm -hmm. can be addicted to yeah. I mean, social media, yeah. uh, people you can be addicted to chaos mm -hmm. you can be addicted to shopping you can mm -hmm. be addicted to you know netflix mm -hmm. honestly so it's not just the mm -hmm. the booze or, or the drugs right. yeah. um, there's there's usually already a pattern of behavior there well and i think we all have you know some sort of addictive personality mm -hmm. you know within us i mean every you know everybody is i'm i'm a perfectionist so i know I have to be very careful with the way I do things because I know that I can slip easy into, you know, certain behaviors that aren't healthy. And yeah. when you talk about depression too, like I suffered from a horrible depression and as a Christian, Phyllis didn't even know, like her and I had been best friends for so long and it was, it was very severe depression. And I was so scared to like tell anybody in the church or even my own parents or my own husband that it was as bad as it was because there was a stigma of, Oh, there's something wrong with her. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yeah. frankly, I'm kind of done with all of yeah. the, the shame that is around, yeah, like all of it. I'm done with it. Like, I am so tired of people walking around saying they're fine, that you're, they're fine <laughs> yeah. when you are, everything around you is falling apart. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, because we don't want to speak it about it and then we don't want to put boundaries around it either. You know what I mean? And I think so I tend to be a yes person too, Courtney. So I totally get it. And I'm, I'm not, I just feel like <laughs> She is not. She yeah. is not. I am. I am. And I always say it's a symptom of me growing up as a pastor's kid, too, yeah. because it was always kind of like we had to look a certain way, you know, and that's yeah. no disrespect towards my parents because no. they were they're amazing pastors and they're amazing people. But it was this stigma that we had. And so I have had a lot of trouble with mm. my own boundaries because I just don't want to say no, you know, right. Right. Mm. And, and I mean, to be fair, and I, and I know I don't want to like take us on a, on a different route because I do want to talk about boundaries, but you know what you just said, Rhonda, because I'm married to a pastor. This is what mm. is crazy about 
how you had to look a certain way is that we do unconsciously put expectations on pastors' families Mm -hmm. and we judge whether or not they are successful or the fruit of their call based on the behavior of their family all the time. And so like if there is a, a, you know, a child that is not acting the way they should, I mean, that Mm -hmm. reflection goes to the parents. Mm -hmm. It's not on the behavior, on the kids. Um, especially adult children. I mean, younger is different, but if there's an adult child, you know, that has decided to, you know, do what they want to do. Um, and that's not what the church would want Mm -hmm. for them. Um, you know, instead of the adult child being held accountable for their choices or, or the choices just being the adult child's choices, it goes, it's like a reflection of the parents, right? Like, yeah. well, yeah. this is what your home is. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And, and we, told, we, we feel that pressure. We feel that pressure yeah. as wives and as kids. And, and yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I just went off a little. So no, far. no. I it mean. It does grieve me when that happens. No, again, I mean, like, it's so funny because I know, you know, we, we obviously will talk a little bit about boundaries here, but I think this is a really good conversation to have because we think we we might, we might not, it might be another podcast some other day, but I mean, we might have to change the name now. I know. I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like that, you know, it's true. It's like, we, we have all these expectations of, you know, I always tell people like our pastors are just people. Yeah. They're not. You know that they're humans, and I and it may, it does sadden me when you know you're going through something. Um, you know, my parents. I mean, there's always anywhere I go, and I talk to a pastor's kid or a pastor's wife. We talk about church hurt, and there's just and it's not just with pastors; it's with the church in general. People get hurt in the church, and instead of talking about it and being able to speak about it, we end up with offense. We end up with you know, being angry and leaving the church. And there's so many things that we do wrong, you know, and I just, I feel you with that. I I feel like we need to stop. People make choices, right? Mm -hmm. Like your adult children make choices. And if they make a choice to be a drug addict and your dad's a pastor, that's not on you. (laughs) So anyway, done with my tangent. We'll talk about boundaries now. Gosh, you crazy Christians. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I know Phyllis always gets mad at me because she's like, oh gosh, I'm so glad I didn't become a Christian until I was 30. (laughs) So glad I grew up in white trash neighborhood. Gosh. One of the questions we wanted to ask is, why do you think it's hard for people to set up boundaries for themselves? Yeah, great question. Let me, um, I don't think I've mentioned this yet. So my definition of boundaries is just where I end and you begin. And so it's just um, where I end and the world begins. And if, mm-hmm. if I were with you, I could. I would ask you to put your arms up and I would kind of show you um, like your hula hoop, which is your realm of control. Yeah. And what's within our realm of control is um, our opinions, our beliefs, our words, our emotions, our actions. Um, that us, we are within our realm of control, our thoughts. And uh, outside of our realm of control, even though it is extremely maddening, it's the entire world. We cannot control other people although we try we really do try and sometimes we try to do it under these cute words like influence or persuade um, but at, at the truth uh, a lot of times it's just rooted in control we try we do try to control people mm-hmm. and so when you mention setting up boundaries 
there are so many reasons why it's difficult to do it. First and foremost, it was likely not shown um, to us in childhood. This isn't mm-hmm. a skill that a lot of people come out of families who are very well boundary. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Most families are extremely nosy, up in each other's business, <laughs> have entitlement issues, <laughs> and are and feel like they should have access to each other around the clock, honestly. And so instead of there being like an understanding of where one person ends and the other Mm -hmm. begins, even within a family unit, that's really tough. Mm -hmm. And so most families um, are close and having a close family is really important, but having a close family can also be unhealthy sometimes. And so um, number one, boundaries aren't shown to us in childhood. Number two, they're hard to set because like Rhonda said, if people are yes people, it is so hard to tell people no. And what mm-hmm. one of the best words that you can say um, when practicing boundaries is the word no. And I yeah. do need to make a note here that we don't put boundaries on other people. We can only put them on ourselves. Yes. Back to that realm of control thing, right? You can try to set a boundary on someone, they're going to step right over it. Trust yeah. Me on that. Mm-hmm. So it's, you can only put boundaries on your behavior. And so my behavior is if something comes across the, uh, my plate or something, somebody asks, hey, Courtney, can you do this? It is my responsibility to be honest with if that is reasonable for my time and to say mm-hmm. yes or no. Now, a lot of people have a hard time saying no. Why? Because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Because they don't like conflict. Because they don't want to seem unloving. Because they're worried if they don't do it, no one's going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's all these different motivators that cause us to say yes or do things when we don't want to do them. And so if you weren't shown boundaries in childhood, they're difficult to learn in adulthood because you are already in a habitual behavior pattern that you're going to have to break. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to do in adulthood. Yeah. And then number two, a lot of times people don't like setting them because they think they're mean. Yeah, they right. They know they, you know, they just don't want to be unloving, especially within Christian culture. This is a big thing mm-hmm. is that we just feel like we should sacrifice ourselves over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over for the well-being of the whole world. But we just end up so depleted and bitter mm-hmm. and resentful yeah. and quite honestly, not fulfilled with Jesus's love and and kindness towards other people because we're just mad at everyone. Right. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, you're doing, well, that's one of the things, uh, when I read boundaries by, um, Dr. Henry cloud and John Thompson Thompson. Yeah. Uh, and it was one of the things they, that very first story I think was a Christian woman that kept saying yes to all these things. And she was so resentful and mad and, And it's actually so healthy for you to say no to things that you know you absolutely can't do. And I would say so healthy. I've had to set very healthy boundaries around my extended family um, because there's some people that are very unhealthy for my family to be around. And every time I bring a toxic person in, that's just ruining a part of the family I'm trying to create that's going to be different. So, 
Yeah. yeah. And I think in Christian, I mean, I think especially in church, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you get guilt tripped into like, you know, you got to be part of coffee ministry and you got to be part <laughs> of this serve. ministry and you got to serve. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. And you're not allowed to say no or not allowed when it gets a lot to step back, you know, and that's what I've had to learn as far as, you know, in being so involved in church is learning to say like, I can do that, but I can only do it once a month, you know, or Mm -hmm. no, right now I need to step back. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, it's not that we, we're going to get, you know, publicly humiliated if we utter the words, no, what happens is, is that there's this, like say, hey Courtney, can you work in children's ministry? And I say no. So this, there's this unspoken rule that happens within like groups that I'm not a team player. I'm not willing to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so those, those unspoken kind of assumptions about people start. And then if we, I, I talked about this in Courageous and Free. If we think that we are a part of a group and that our behavior is going to risk us losing love and belonging. We will almost always do the behavior that's unhealthy for us to keep the psychological need of love and belonging met. Mm -hmm. So that means if I can still be a part of this group, this church family, and in order to be a part of this church family, I have to serve and serve and serve and serve and serve until Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. I'm going to keep doing that because in that way I can still be loved and I can mm-hmm. still be- belong. And saying no is going to be what is going to challenge that. And then that's why you're, and then you're standing there thinking, is it worth me challenging this? Are, are people still going to like me if I'm not the one that's signing up for, you know, children's ministry? Every right. Week? And so if you're a people pleaser, yeah, then you want to, oh, yeah. yeah, then you're like, oh, they don't like me. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And then you just start that cycle all over again. Everybody's talking about me. Right? Yeah. So with with being a boundary coach, um, what do you find, like with your clients, what's the hardest thing when they're trying to put boundaries Mm. in place? Oh, man. So it's easy for us. So so one of the things that one of the best boundary teachings I've heard, it it talked about, hey, listen, when you start practicing boundaries in your life, don't go out and and try to set them in, like, intimate relationships, right? Like, start by saying no when a um, waitress asks if you want dessert or something because you have to get used to the possibility of disappointing people. Yeah. So um, they, they, re- they do really ex- um, stress the importance of starting, um, you know, in, in spaces where mm-hmm. there's not too much risk. When I'm working with people, often the boundary that needs to be set is always in the most intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. It's with a mom, it's with, you know, a sister, it's with a best friend. And mm-hmm. that is so tough because, again, you don't want to risk losing relationship because mm-hmm. there's history there, because quite honestly, you love these people. But if the relationship has become unhealthy and you are the one that's doing all of the work emotionally and or actually doing all the work in the relationship, um, sometimes setting that boundary just seems so frightening. And so a lot of my work with people is helping them with right scripts, honestly, to be able to have those conversations with the people they love. Because this is the truth. And this, this, this what I'm going to say, has to be considered when you're doing this. For some people, when you set a boundary in the relationship, it feels like abandonment. Mm. 
It feels mm. like rejection. And you have to be able to validate that because, um, of course, they are going to be like, no, I don't like this. And why are you acting like this? Because it's going to feel like you're jumping ship, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I help I help my clients or my, I wouldn't even say clients, just my peeps who are mm-hmm. working through this. How, here's a script. And, and obviously you would say it in, the, in your words, not my own. But here's some talking points that you can go and have these conversations with the people that you love to set the boundaries that you need to set. And then after the conversation is had, you have to realize that whatever their response is, is outside of your realm of control. Mm-hmm. Because if you start mm-hmm. trying to control their response, you are going to just go back to the mm-hmm. pattern of behavior that already exists. Mm, that's Gosh, it's so, so good. Oh, that is so good. I'm like, I'm like trying to digest all of that because I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking in so many different situations where, I've been in where it's like I set a boundary and then I do, then I'm so concerned about like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so mad. They're so mad at me right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Um, I think that's a really hard thing to do. And I think especially, I think um, I've always had pretty good boundaries with my parents. Like I'm able to like tell them, hey, like, we can't do this or that. But I know that like when my husband and I first got married, we had boundary issues, you know, with extended family and it was really hard to say no. And it caused so much conflict between the two of us, you know, um, because none of us wanted to, to say it yet at this point it was the two of us and we couldn't have them involved in everything, you know? And so I think that's, I don't know if women struggle more with that. I mean, do you find that women struggle more with boundaries than men, or is it kind of, is it even? I think, I don't want to generalize men or yeah. population, but I do think that they got some spiritual gift of being able to compartmentalize things better. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. They're avoiders, that's why. <laughs> yeah, or maybe avoiders don't look you know, don't check in, don't listen. I don't know. Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to generalize, uh, but in my own experience with my husband, of course I get so much more rattled, um, about things that he does, mm-hmm. but he, he's really good at reminding me too, like when someone's behavior is, is absolutely, uh, outside of my realm of control and it may just bother me, but there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if I could use like 2020 for an example, girl, Social media was the worst family dinner I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> it <laughs> totally was. It was on fire. It was on fire and stayed on fire and is just now starting to simmer down. And it was on these huge issues like, you know, mask, no mask, COVID. Is yeah. Still COVID isn't. And then, oh my gosh, the election just like. Yeah, yeah. don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, everyone lost their mind. Yeah. But what you can, but it was such a good way to practice boundaries because. Yeah. What happened was that everyone just didn't have any, and then they just jumped into comment sections. <laughs> yeah. Comments, you know? Fully loaded, yeah. locked and loaded. Yeah. <laughs> locked and loaded to to state their opinion yeah. in a Facebook uh, comment section. And and then I what I know to be true, because it happened to me, was that I know that people read these different things and got so irritated by, like, a coworker, so irritated by a third cousin, so irritated <laughs> by some guy they graduated high school with. But then they walked around their home, and that irritation, 
medication became part of the emotional uh, wake within the home. I know yeah. that. Oh my God. Can we, that. can you just yeah. preach right now? Because that is so true. Yeah. I mean, they're walking around mad at I their spouse. Think of, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, that was a hard boundary for me. I was like, mm-hmm. I am not responding to any of this at all. Yeah. I was seeing people losing their yeah. mind. I was like this. First of all, I always crack up because you can't hear the tonation in someone's voice when you're sending a text or, a, you know, putting mm-hmm. a post up. And it's so funny how people start saying, well, what do you mean by that? And the way you said it and da, da, da. And I'm like, you don't even know what they meant, like how they meant it because yeah. you can't hear how they're really saying right. it or it was almost like they were like why are you looking at me like that and it's like you're on social media yeah. they're not looking. <laughs> it was such a crazy time I just sat back and like watched I loved how you described it being a, the worst <laughs> family, family dinner, dinner ever, ever. <laughs> yeah it was so, so bad funny. and this is what like if we're thinking about boundaries yeah um, all of us needed not to have our phones in our hands with such elevation of emotion and right and yeah. But, but the other thing that we don't remember or think about is that every person is entitled to their beliefs. Right. Their beliefs come from their perspective of their worldview and their understanding of what's happening. Thank you. And so yes. each person is entitled to that as much as we are. Mm-hmm. But it's our responsibility not to cannonball ourselves into their opinion and then just start fighting them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's our responsibility to understand where they end and we begin. And it was such a mess. Oh my goodness. I know. I I, sometimes I would look and I'd be like, I just can't even read this. This is so awful. You know, and I, I had a personal boundary with social media. I was like, look, I, I, you are not going to know what any of my views no. are at this point because it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. what I believe, I believe, and you ain't going to change my mind. So, yeah. so I was kind of at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that like everybody's, you know, people just felt like they could say what they wanted. And mm-hmm. I was like, you guys, like you're just, I, I had said something on social media not too long ago about, um, you know, just being kind and just. Mm-hmm. agreeing to disagree like it's okay if you don't agree with me like it's fine and somebody kind of came back with me with this whole biblical thing and I was like okay <laughs> like, still trying to be kind I was like I'm just not <laughs> going to respond <laughs> to that because I have nothing to say <laughs> I mean I did in my head but I wasn't gonna say it you know I mean because there's no point in just making everything worse like to me it's like it's okay. That's your opinion. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm totally okay with that. And you choosing not to respond is you choosing the boundary mm-hmm. of, I'm not going to use my God given good energy. Yeah. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we all oh, like get that. so good much energy. every day mm-hmm. and we get to choose where we're going to place that energy. That's and it's good. sometimes, mm, sometimes like we're just in a mood and we put that energy in a comment, but that was a really healthy choice in that moment to say, I'm not going to use my energy here. Right. So yeah, girl. Well, and I do think like, I think we look at boundaries wrong too, because it, like you said, it is energy. Like it takes a lot of energy to be mad at somebody and to be, 
angry <laughs> over a comment, over things, right? Like, I mean, it, it is. It's exhausting. Like, when you're going through something with a friendship or whatever, and it's not going well, and you choose to fight with that person, that energy is, like, it's depleting. And so, I mean, that's something that I'm constantly learning. I mean, something I've totally learned through, you know, Freedom Academy, too, was just to kind of know where to place my feelings and also when to shut up. <laughs> like, you know? Like, so I don't need to say everything yeah. that's in my head. <laughs> Please don't. <Yeah. laughs> Please don't. Okay, you see, you see, Courtney, I'm gonna need to set a clear boundary here. Oh my gosh. Well, I just, we're going to kind of wrap up here, but, um, I know we just have gone off on all kinds of tangents it's today so and good. it's okay. I, I love, love I love every piece of this, but I have to ask yeah, you, maybe an, I don't know if there's an editing option for you. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tighten this up a little bit. You know what? It's so funny because we don't like, we don't really we don't edit. Really, yeah. I mean, we have a guy who edits our stuff yeah. and I'm sure if something, if went it was something wonky, really, really, really wonky. Yeah. I mean, we've had one or two episodes. We actually only had to erase one episode cause we went off the train <laughs> completely. <laughs> Boundaries and, have and been we crossed. were like, Oh no, we got to erase that whole episode. <laughs> no, that was really bad. No, but I mean, I love the fact that we can just kind of have honest flowing conversations, which is why we don't edit a ton on this, but, um, we have one last question for you, which is what would you tell your 22 year old self? It's our standard question. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, or if anyone is listening to this podcast, I wrote a piece on freedom movement about this tattoo I got on my butt cheek. (laughs) I I was. I actually think I was 22, so the first oh, thing, no. or 21, I would, I would look at her and be like, girl, we, we got to pick a different place <laughs> and a different tattoo, so that would be the first Don't one. Don't profess <laughs> your love with a tattoo there, no. Yeah, oh man, it's still back there. I my kids will catch it, and I'm like, why? Why are you here? Why can you do this? But, um, second, second, my 22-year-old self, that is when I think I was at my height of just performing um, for love, thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, just pining away for the affection of, of boys and, mm-hmm. and boyfriends. And um, if I were to go talk to her, I would really talk to her candidly and openly about starting to understand the wonder in the in her own creation, mm-hmm. just how beautiful and unique that she is and that she was and that she's going to become, that she was just so gifted and so talented and that for that time she could love herself sufficiently until she fell romantically in love and that she could trust that Jesus had her too. And that, um, searching for it, these different external places, um, I was just going to leave her feeling very empty and exhausted Mm -hmm. and not worthy. And so I would just start that journey then of, of knowing herself, of, of looking at herself in the mirror every morning and saying good morning and and holding her face and just being so thankful for her own design. So that's what I would tell her. That's beautiful. I love that. And I think it's so, that's such great advice because I do feel like we were talking before this about um, when I was 21 and I had gone through this mm-hmm. horrible broken engagement. Your name actually came up because we were talking about stupid things that we do when... <laughs> And I went and did something really mm-hmm. stupid uh, that I could not, I cannot change, which will not be named right this moment. It will be shared one day, <laughs> but not right shared. now. Um, 
And I just was, because I so badly wanted this man who had, had proposed to me and then broken off the engagement to like me and want me. And I look back at that and I think, man, that was a really broken girl. Mm-hmm. That was a really broken girl at yeah. 22, you know? So I appreciate that honesty. Mm-hmm. And I did love that post. And I'm going to, I feel like we have to like, I'm going to oh share it. Because, so funny. <laughs> because it was awesome. Sure, and if there's, if there's any Christian girl, little 22 year old that catches this podcast too, I, I, I would just speak to her heart and say that as a, as a church family, we've not done a good job because marriage has become such an idol and it's something that mm. young girls start to seek after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would just encourage her that, you know, if, if by now she's not in a romantic relationship and that's something that her heart desires that she can, it can take as long as it needs to, as long as she um, first starts to know and love herself and then know and love Jesus in the process. And, you yeah. know, the rest kind of falls in place. Yeah. Wow, Courtney, yeah. that's so Courtney, good. Because just... I think that is something I, I talk to Rhonda about that all the time of because, you know, not coming from a Christian background. I'm like, what is it with these Christians that they want to like marry their kids off so young? And it's like I so this is something I've told my older <laughs> my daughters. Um, one's married now, but the other one's dating. And I always tell them your 20s are for your crying years because you're learning all these things about yourself. Right. It's true. Like not meaning that in a a bad way, but it's like you cry a lot because Mm -hmm. like you are learning all these different things. So I've always told my girls, like, take your time, like learn through your 20s, because around the time 27, 28, you start to come into your own and it's all good. Like it all works Mm -hmm. out. And, um, I just like, I just want to teach that to these young girls, like, just don't hook yourself to somebody right off the bat, you know, I'm graduated from college, let's get married now. So, yeah, I know it's, we we would joke because ring by spring, that's what they used to say at the Christian (laughs) colleges. I'm like, okay, (laughs) stop already. Oh my God. And, and honestly, the 22-year-old brain is still activated a lot by the amygdala. I mean, we don't yeah. have full maturity until 25. 25, yep, so, yep. Yeah. You can't, those are big decisions to make when you're being, you know, governed by the most emotional part of your brain. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, that's yeah. good stuff. That's Courtney, good stuff. this is great. Oh, my gosh, you were amazing, and thank you so much for joining us. Where can they find you on social media, and how can they connect with you? Yeah, uh, my handle is C Meisner, and I'm sure you um, will have that typed out yep. somewhere. Um, and so it's on Instagram, C Meisner, on Facebook, I think it's just Courtney Meisner. I have a writer's page. Um, and then my, um, this, is, this is all so original. And then my website is CourtneyMeisner.com. So <laughs> that's always the best way because like, it's easy. That's the easiest way to find you. Yep. That's what every social yeah. media te- tells you to do that. Yeah. Just use your name, <laughs> girl. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this today. We appreciate all your insight and oh my gosh, I'm sure we could talk about boundaries and all this other stuff forever, but, um, thanks so much. And thank you 24 Carat tribe for joining us today. You can find us on 24 Carat conversations podcast on Instagram. You can follow us on our Facebook page and until next time, friends sparkle on. Bye. Bye peeps. Peeps.